0: The Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, but now they have a new goalie. Can they get it done again? Plus, will the Chicago Blackhawks rebuild include Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane? And there's pressure on in Toronto as they move ahead with a new goalie. John Tavares is feeling a little bit of the heat. We've got all that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast.
1: Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked On Leafs, David Marsutti. And David, can't say it's been a slow-off season up in Toronto.
2: No, it's been uh, quite a few changes after... Another disappointing end to their season. I, You know, the the goaltending carousel that continues to happen. This will be now, over the last few years, a third different starting goaltending tandem, sort of, uh, to speak, in Toronto, going from Frederick Anderson over the last few years to Jack Campbell to now what perceivedly is going to be Matt Murray taking over. So, it, yeah, it's definitely been uh, never a dull moment in Leafland, that's for sure.
0: Are you more comfortable with the duo of Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov than you are with Jack Campbell and and the goalies that the Leafs had a year ago.
2: Yeah, that's been a a hot debate here. I mean, losing Jack Campbell wasn't an an easy one because I thought he was actually pretty stellar when he was in Toronto. He had his struggles last year, but in the playoffs, he seemed to rebound and show that he is capable of being a starting goaltender uh there have been questions about whether he can do that throughout a full season cuz he hasn't done that to this point uh so i think the really if the big change is also with samsonov kind of being an upgrade on peter Mrazek. i think that was just an uh a move that as soon as it was made it was kind of a head scratcher and a question mark and it didn't didn't work out but i feel i feel like having two guys that have had the experience to be full-time NHLers in Matt Murray and Ely Samsonov. I, I you can I think if it was just Matt Murray, an inexperienced guy or somebody who didn't really have the pedigree to be able to play a lot of games because we know Matt Murray's injury history, there would be a lot more concern. I think the Samsonov move kind of softened the blow a little bit about losing Jack Campbell.
0: And if Samsonov can get back to his form he showed a few years back, you have in essence two starting caliber goalies.
2: Yeah, and they're going to be working with a new goaltending coach as well, so that's that's going to be key there, I think. And the the Leafs have had a hard time, you know, with certain goaltenders that haven't put up still in numbers to get them to that point. But I mean, the Leafs have shown that if they get league average goaltending, they're more than capable of winning games. Their record when they had league average goaltending was stellar last season. So that's all they they don't need, you know. The guy to be the, you know, you know, the Andre Vasilevskis of the world. They don't need that. They don't need, you know, even Ilya Sorokin type of numbers. They just need stable, consistent goaltending. It's going to be tough to expect that from two guys that need to rebound after some tough years. But not having it all on one guy, I think hopefully will ease the burden a little bit on these guys.
0: One other player that was lost, Jason Spezza, announcing his retirement, now working for the front office, doing some uh, scouting work. But what will his absence mean, both on the ice and in the locker room?
2: Yeah, I think in the locker room, that's that's the biggest loss right there. Jason Spezza, at times, he was the guy that knew when to speak up. He knew, he knew when to pick his moments and do it. And when Jason Spezza would speak up, the team would listen. All the younger guys would listen. So I think that's going to be a big loss. Luckily, he's not too far away. He is in the front office. It would have been bad if they lost him completely. But on the ice, too, you know, some people will will joke that you know Spetzel was kind of pushing and and trying to hold on for as long as he could. There were st- he still found ways to contribute. Whether that was in the faceoff dot, the power play, he was able to be a contributor. He he still brought something to the team, and you know he was making league minimum. Over his last few years, so you know he he just wanted to do what he could to try to make Toronto into a contender. Unfortunately, it didn't work out the way he wanted it to. But he'll get one another chance as a member of the front office now to uh, try to go for that Stanley Cup.
0: We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and you mentioned that there's a little pressure now uh, from the media, from the fans, on John Tavares. What's going on with JT?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is, when John Tavares signed with the Leafs, the fanfare and just, it just exploded here in Toronto. Like, to get a guy like that to come to play in Toronto, to to leave a team that he had been drafted and been a captain for, it was a big coup for the Leafs. And his first season, he had a you know, career career year there, so it looked, it was so great. He's had some really tough, tough luck with, like, injuries, and, you know, the performance has been steady, you know, he it's not like he hasn't totally underperformed, but I think when you sign, you know, for eleven million dollars, the expectations are that you're gonna be of you know the caliber of like I mean, when you have a team with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, you know, you the play the, the level of play can't drop off. I also just think that there has been a lack of support for John Tavares. He's got the toughest job in all of hockey, and that's to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that's something You know, like we're seeing the scrutiny because he wears that C. He is supposed to be the leader of this team, and I don't think he doesn't shy away from those responsibilities. But I, you know, him and William Nylander had such a struggle playing together last year. They actually were split apart. I think that speaks to, you know, is that John Tavares' fault? Is that the Leafs organization for not really putting him in the best position to succeed? But I think if the Leafs want to get anywhere especially in the postseason John Tavares has got to be that that catalyst and if you watch the playoffs he was that at times game six he wheeled that team to overtime and they almost won that game if if he were if they finished that game six off I think John Tavares is being looked at a little bit differently but yeah the heat is definitely on him whether it's justified or so I think it's still a little early you know he's He still has a few years left. I know some people wonder if they should move away from him or if they should move him away from playing center, which I don't know how many players you're going to get better than John Tavares at center. I think that's something people need to realize is that the drop-off between John Tavares and the guy replacing him, I don't know if that's really going to be the, the change I think will be necessary for this team.
0: Yeah, there aren't too many players who are going to improve upon that position, no question about that. One other thing before we let you go, I know the Leafs have a a cap problem right now. You you mentioned they are actually above the cap. How do you think they get that problem solved?
2: Yeah, they, I mean, the only there's really only two options. You let you trade somebody out or you find a way to move enough shuffle enough salary around to make it work. I've, we've seen the Leafs have to juggle moving players up and down the minors. I don't think they want to do that. Um, we've had this discussion many times with Lockdown Leafs, and we think that a guy like Alexander Kerfoot is the prime candidate to be traded. He does have a modified no-trade clause, so he does have a bit of save where he goes. But the big thing about his contract this year is that he only co- he's actually only going to cost the team $750,000 in his base salary. A lot of his contract was paid on in signing bonuses. So a team that is getting him, as long as they have the cap space, you know, they're going to get a player. They're going to pay a player league minimum. And he only costs 3.5 on the cap, which is not a lot for a guy that is
0: proven to be a middle six forward. No question. So we'll keep an eye on that. David, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media?
2: Yes, you can find the podcast wherever you get your pod- podcast locked on leaves. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. We've, uh, we're have we very proud of where our growth has been on YouTube, so we appreciate all the support there. And, yeah, follow myself on Twitter, D underscore Morissuti. Two S is two T's. And uh, make sure you give my co-host, Mike DeStefano, a follow to at Mickey
0: underscore Canuck. All right, David Morosudi, thank you so much for joining us today. Always appreciate it, Gil. Thanks for having me. Our next sponsor has a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I really don't like swallowing a lot of pills and I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all these things. And look, it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting great. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. My pleasure to welcome back to the show, the host of Locked On Blackhawks, Jack Bushman. And Jack, good to have you back. And a lot of changes this year uh, during the offseason for the Blackhawks. Let's start at the top, a new coach. Are you happy with the hiring, and and what do you think it'll mean for this team going forward?
1: Yeah, one of the few moves that the Blackhawks had this summer that I was happy about was bringing on Luke Richardson to be their new head coach, former assistant coach with the Montreal Canadiens. And everything I've heard about Luke Richardson from former players or uh, former staff members that worked with him, whatever it be, everyone says Luke Richardson is... An amazing coach, but also an amazing human being who can connect with players on a very, you know, close level. He's a former player himself, played over a thousand games in the NHL, knows what it's like to be a player. Uh, Everything I've heard about Luke Richardson has been really positive. So I'm really excited uh, for him to kind of take over. I think one big thing in particular about him as well is he, he does have some experience with coaching young players and coaching At the AHL level, and that's really the focal point for the Blackhawks these next handful of years, right? Is developing their young talent and hoping that uh, a few years down the road, they'll be able to pull it all together and create a Stanley Cup contender once again. But in order to do that, they have to successfully develop these players and uh, bring them on the right way. And I think Luke Richardson is a really good person to do that. Uh, Very familiar with that side of things, understands how important that process is. And I think that was really a big reason why the Blackhawks decided to make him their head coach was because uh, of what he's going to be able to do for the young players who are coming through, making the jump to the NHL level in the next couple of seasons and help them uh, be part of this process. And, And Luke understands that it's going to be a process too, right? There's no secrets here. This is obviously by the moves the Blackhawks have made this summer. It's a scorched earth rebuild, and I'm sure Luke Richardson isn't, you know, thrilled about some of the moves that they made, trading Alex DeBrinkett and Kirby Doc, letting Dylan and Dominic Kubalik walk for nothing. Uh, his roster is going to be fairly thin. It's going to be, he's not going to have a ton to work with, but uh, he's a competitive guy, a fierce guy. He wants to win every day, and, you know, the saying is, organizations tank, but coaches and players don't tank. And Luke Richardson, again, he knows the situation he's in, but he's not just going to mail it in. He's going to have these guys wanting to compete night in and night out. And I think that's very big, especially for the young guys who, you know, like I've said, three to four years down the road this is going to be crucial experience for them going and getting these opportunities but not taking anything for granted still competing hard each and every night and then the hope is that when this team and the roster gets a little bit stronger those guys will already have that experience they'll be coached up well uh, and then they'll be able to make an impact one day for this franchise so I, i was really happy about the hiring of luke richardson only good things i've heard all across the board and uh, another thing, too, is he's apparently going to be, not apparently, he actually confirmed already that he is going to be going back to his zone defense next year, which I think is really key for the Blackhawks because previously under Jeremy Colleton and even after he got fired when Derrick King was the interim coach, the Blackhawks ran mostly a man-to-man defense and it caused a lot of confusion in the defensive zone, a lot of breakdowns and miscommunications. Guys would be wide open in the slot, uncovered things of that sort, and it cost this team for far too long. It's really been a key issue the past three to four years. I think a lot of Blackhawks fans would feel that way, and to hear Luke Richardson is going to be switching things up in the defensive zone, uh, I think that's really a breath the fresh, fresh air for a lot of Blackhawks fans as well. So yeah, on all fronts, I'm very excited for the Luke Richardson era to start here in Chicago. Uh, I know it's going to be a difficult task for him these first few years, but I think the Blackhawks do have the right mentality and mindset and also experience for behind the bench, both as a player and as a coach. I think Luke Richardson provides great insight and uh, can connect, like I said, to players on a personal level. I've heard he's really good at one-on-one chats and not trying to play games with guys, just trying to get the best out of them. And he can—he knows every player is different too. You got to build relationships with these guys. So I've really enjoyed hearing uh, uh, all the things that I have so far about Luke Richardson. And yeah, I'm super excited for him to get started. You talked a little bit about some of the guys who the team
0: traded away or lost in free agency. How about some of the new players they brought on this off season?
1: Yeah, the, the two big ones, Big ones, we'll say, were Max Domi and Andreas Athanasiou both got one-year, $3 million contracts for the Blackhawks. But in all likelihood, the situation the team is in, those two players are both probably going to be dealt at the deadline on expiring contracts. The Blackhawks will also have the ability to retain if if that's necessary. Uh, And I I think Athanasiou and Domi were two wise pickups by the Blackhawks, right? First for Athanasiou. We know he has the speed. He's one of the fastest players in the entire NHL, former 30-goal scorer with the Detroit Red Wings. He's kind of had some consistency issues the past couple of years. Uh, wasn't on the ice very much last season for the Los Angeles Kings, but everywhere he's been, it seems like fans and people around all those teams have said, you know, you'll see – flashes of what andreas athanasiou can do for a team it just hasn't you know really been put all together since he potted 30 goals 3 or 4 seasons ago now so uh, but the speed factor i think is something that's always going to be enticing for another club right with the nhl always getting faster and faster like andreas athanasiou i think will be an enticing pickup for another team at the deadline potentially and, and same for domi but in kind of a different way because he plays that scrappy game Right. We saw him have a, a big showing for the Carolina Hurricanes in their playoff run, uh, can play up and down the lineup, I think that will also be valuable to teams who are trying to, you know, make a push for the Stanley Cup playoffs to add a guy like that who can play, you know, maybe on your third and fourth line, can provide you some offense, but is really good at getting under players' skin and, and being annoying and kind of filling that goon role that, you know, it has been kind of washed out of the NHL in terms of fighting, but you still need those players, those agitators and those scrappy guys to get the job done. So uh for the Blackhawks, I think it was smart to sign both of these these players to one-year deals, very movable deals. And um, that that's probably really going to be the name of the game for those two. I don't – you know, if Alex deBrink is getting traded, I don't see the Blackhawks keeping an older – uh, Andreas Athanasiou or an older Max Domi as part of their future plan. So I would say 95 percent chance those two are getting dealt. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how they kind of fit into the Blackhawks lineup this season because with all the players that have departed, both of those two are are very likely to get top six opportunities here in Chicago, which could also you know help sweeten the pot a little bit for their uh, return possibly down the road. So uh, yeah, th- those were really the the only main additions that the Blackhawks made. They also added uh, Alex Stalock as a backup goaltender. And then Colin Blackwell was an interesting signing from Seattle as well. Someone who can play in the bottom six to provide a little bit of offense. And every time I saw him, every time the Blackhawks played the Kraken this year, his energy and his hustle was something that really stood out to me. So again, another guy that the Blackhawks will probably be looking at moving come March and trade deadline time. But I think that's the smart way to go about it right now. If they were adding any players via free agency this year, it was probably to do just that, to flip them at the deadline and hope to acquire more assets in the future.
0: You talked a little bit about Lou Richardson's ability to coach up younger players and help their development, but there are two veterans who have been with the Blackhawks for a long time and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Taves has already said he's not necessarily thrilled with the idea of a rebuild. What does the future hold for these two all-time great Blackhawks? Will they be on the roster by the time the season is over?
1: Probably not, Gil. If I had to guess, I would say probably not. And it's sad to say, but all signs are pointing in that direction at this point. I mean... First for Taves, not only did he make that comment recently, which I do think was blown a little bit out of proportion, but that's how the media goes, you know. Um, But it's not the first comment that he's made where mostly he just hasn't committed to the Blackhawks. And as the longtime captain of this team, right, grown up in Chicago, his whole adult life, obviously has had all the success here. It's odd for, you know, a longtime captain to not come out and say he wants to still be part of this team moving forward. So, He's beat around the bush a little bit, but I think everyone deep down knows that Jonathan Taves isn't on board for what the Blackhawks are are pitching to him right now, and uh, it seems like his days, for sure, are, are numbered more so than Patrick Kane's, but at the same time, for Kane, they've traded everyone he enjoys playing with, and not just this year. This has been a thing that the Blackhawks have done a lot in the past. Nick Schmaltz, gone, or Temi Panarin, gone. Alex Dabrinkit, gone. You know, Kirby doc has gone as well. Dylan Strome's gone. Dylan Strome and Dabrinkit was who Patrick Kane played for basically the entire second half of the season, and they're both gone now. So, I mean, while he has been here and there are fans arguing, you know, he cares about the franchise records and staying in the city of Chicago. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. But at the end of the day, Patrick Kane has shown no signs of slowing down. If anything, he's gotten better. He just had his third most productive Point season in his entire career. He's been incredible since he's turned 30 years old and has so shown no signs of slowing down. Why would he want to waste years of that when he's already wasted three or four at this point? And they've traded everyone who he likes playing with. And we even heard him saying his end of the season press conference. If Alex Dabrinkit is here, it's going to make it a lot easier for me to sign on throughout this rebuilding process. Well, Dabrinkit got shipped to Ottawa. So, I feel like Patrick Kane has to be upset with the moves that the Blackhawks have made at this point. And it just feels like it's going to be the end of the road for him at some point this year. Now it doesn't feel like anything's going to happen this off season. um, But I I do think both the players and the Blackhawks are in a good spot to kind of have a, a little farewell tour. Let Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves kind of, have their final goodbye with Chicago in the first half of the season. It's also a good way for the team to incentivize fans to still come to the games, even though it's probably going to be a nightmare, right? Come see Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane one last time as members of the Chicago Blackhawks. They're not going to openly say that, but I think it just fits really well, right? So if I had to guess, Gil, I would say that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves both are not members of the Chicago Blackhawks. Come trade deadline Trade deadline day in 2023.
0: All right, Jack, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find
1: the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to check out uh, and keep up with all Blackhawks news this offseason, you can find Lockdown Blackhawks wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey. All that good stuff, it's 100% for free. If you want to check it out on Twitter, you can check it out at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. And then for me personally, you can find me at Jack Bushman, too, on Twitter where uh, I'll be tweeting, you know, not as much NHL stuff as we're kind of in the dead point of the offseason now, Gil, but uh, golf is about to pick up for any listeners out there who are intrigued by golf. And then, of course, football season is right around the corner, and I love football as much as anyone. So you can find a bunch of good sports stuff, At Jack Bushman, too, on Twitter, if you want to check me out. All right, Jack, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure to have you. Absolutely, Gil. Always fun talking with you. Today's episode is brought to you by
0: Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's great joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again let me introduce you to your new favorite. It's cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, like all built bars, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. It has all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs have only 160 calories, but pack a whopping 15 grams of protein. And look, you can run to built.com right now, snag a box for you and the family. It's the perfect treat, or you could find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. And what's great about built is that all bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to built.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show Shaggy Von Doom himself, Kyle Sullivan. Kyle, the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup first time in quite a while uh, and finally meeting the expectations they've had the last few years. And yet, how common is it that a team wins the Stanley Cup and then changes starting goaltenders?
3: Yeah, it's not that common at all, but it's it goes back to Joe Sackick and now Chris McFarlane, who's now in that GM role. It's all about this this mindset that they put in place a long time ago and sticking to that mindset. It's not so much a slight on the goaltender, per se. It's trying to make the bottom line work. And if you see the avalanche and the moves they made, it was basically retaining the team they had. With the exceptions of Nazem Kadri. everybody came back and what Darcy Kemper was asking for was not going to be viable to keep this team together. So they went out and got Yorgiev. Is that going to work? We'll find out. But it's all about the bottom line and keeping that team together and not putting yourself in a bind that you've seen Toronto and teams of that nature overpay for a goaltender or a goaltender stable. The Avalanche did not want to fall prey to that, especially in a competitive West. Joe Sackick and McFarlane, were not going to do that. So... Darcy Kipper walked, and it's Georgiev and Francois going into 2023.
0: How confident do you feel that Georgiev can be the number one goaltender of this team? And and I guess with a team as offensively talented as the Avalanche are, how good does he really have to be to get them through the regular season at least?
3: Well, that's that's a great point right there. Like if you ask the my co-host on Locked On Avalanche, Chris Maselli, about Georgiev, he It's not a big fan. Like he watches his Rangers games and he keeps an eye on them. And he was telling me as soon as that deal was made, we don't want him there. And if you ask me, I have been a Pablo Franco's cheerleader for years. Um, That was a gig that he almost beat out uh, Philip Grubauer for that starting job. And Grubauer had the hot hand and won that starting position. Fast forward to this, we thought this was going to be Franzos finally getting the starting gig, and here comes Yorgiev, and Sakik said on draft night, no, he's in here for the number one spot. So Franzos takes a back seat. So we're all, as Avalanche fans, going to see if Yorgiev can hold up to this Avalanche style of defense, but honestly, the defense is one of the most underrated portions of the Avalanche. With Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, and Miko Ranson, and you could talk about them all day long. But with Taze, Makar, EJ, now Josh Manson, the defensive core is really stacked for the Avalanche and they play in a way that they protect their goalie. You see how Philip Grubauer was in Colorado and then how he was when he arrived in Seattle. Darcy Kemper might face that as well when he goes to Washington when the two caliber defenses between Washington and Colorado are night and day. So We'll see if Yorgiev settles in, but I honestly feel like the race between the two goaltenders is a hot hand situation.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes that works very well. Sometimes it backfires depending on the goalies, the team, the temperament. We'll have to see how it plays out. You talked a little bit about Nazem Kadri. First of all, is there any chance he does resign with the avalanche? And if not, how do they replace his productivity?
3: Well, Thankfully for the Avalanche, Joe Sakik and McFarland have been building up the Colorado Eagles in the AHL. Um, they're deep, and honestly, with the talent that the Avalanche have, it's been kind of, for lack of a better term, constipated there. Everybody's just kind of sitting in the AHL waiting for their spot, but that Avalanche team is so deep, it's hard to find your way. That's why everybody's looking forward to this training camp. Who's going to make that jump? Because it depends on the day and how the wind blows on how you feel about Nas coming back to Colorado, that this holdout, he's waiting for the Avalanche to make room for some money and to bring him back. Or it's another team trying to do the same. You never know. It's always a tweet away that could change the direction of a fan base on how they feel about Nas. And it's one of those that I don't feel like it's going to be that big of an adjustment because of everything the Eagles have. And it's honestly just promote from within, just move the lines up just a little bit. And I think the Avalanche are going to be fine because this team has been known to outscore their opponent. And they had games where they were scoring seven goals, six goals, in, like last season. Nazem Kadri was a pivotal member of that, but the lines three through four and what the Eagles have, they could do exactly what he did. And they're a little bit younger
0: what is the cap situation right now in Colorado and how does that affect their plans between now and the start of training camp in, in about a month?
3: It's getting tight. It's getting tight, but it's workable. Everybody knows uh, the front office works best in Colorado at the trade deadline. That's where Joe Sackick makes his moves and McFarlane who has trained under Sackick for years, he's going to be doing the exact same. They have enough to play with when it comes to the trade deadline but of course, this is the, the NHL. And if you've watched the NHL for any period of time, you know in a, uh, injuries can wreak havoc on a team at any time. Thankfully, depth also helps out the Avalanche because we talked about Jorgiev and Fred Sos, but the Avalanche also have Eustace Andinen waiting in the wings in Loveland. So it depends on what position goes down and who's hurt and where and at what point in the season. But the depth is going to carry them through Keep an eye on where the Avalanche are sitting at the trade deadline. That's where the noise is going to be made. It might not be right now because it was just getting the band back together for another run. The trade deadline is where the adjustments will be made.
0: You talked about some of the young prospects who have been sort of stuck at the AHL level. Who are some of the players that hockey fans should keep an eye on when training camp opens up?
3: Well, I'm a huge Sampo Ranta fan. Um, he had a chance last year and he need a little bit more refinement, he might make a splash this year. We have players like Justin Barron just itching. Uh, we have Jean-Luc Foudy. Also, he's ready to make that case. And we still have, I know it's kind of an oxymoron, but veterans in the AHL right now that this could be their last chance. And that's why everybody's pointing at this training camp. There are a lot of players that would like to make that last chance effort. So if you would like to keep an eye on what this Avalanche team is going to be doing next year, keep an eye on training camp and who makes noise and who is the loudest. If it's a narrative around how good this team looks, then it's nothing's much is going to change, but you're looking for players to really make their name against this top tier talent. And this is the chance to do it because if it's not now, it's going to be a while. And then you're going to see players start leaving left and right but this training camp is going to be very important for the avalanche.
0: No question about that. Kyle, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can follow you and where they can find the podcast in order to keep up with all of these developments.
3: If you like to find the show, it's LOPN underscore avalanche on Twitter, locked on avalanche on Instagram. We're also on YouTube. You can find us there for your best coverage of the avalanche every day.
0: And where can they find you on social media? You can find me at Shaggy Bondu everywhere you look. All right. Kyle Sullivan, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me on, my friend. All right. That does it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guest, David Morasuti of Locked On Leafs. Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks and Kyle Sullivan of Locked On Avalanche. Make sure you join us here on Locked On NHL every Monday through Friday as we have more of the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.